turn to the Word of God right now. Today I'm going to read from Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 1 to 4. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. And though it tarries, <coughs> wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. So last week, we actually looked at Romans 15, 7 to 13. We talked about um, the context of the letter was a division between uh, Christian, uh, between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And so Paul was addressing that and trying to bring them back together. But through that, he talks about how, we, how hope flows through that unity and hope can't flow where there's divisions. We also saw that joy and peace are not possible without that hope. That hope releases joy and peace. It's part of the whole chain. And so uh, we asked, um, how does this relate to us? And, and each part of our life. So we, we asked, does it, uh, how does that apply to our marriages, our families, our businesses, our community, of course, the church, our church and all the churches working together. And the simple test was how much joy and peace is there in relationships where there is division? And of course, there's none, uh, which proved the point. And the obvious conclusion at best was not much, not as much as there should be, and, and, but at the, the, probably the majority, uh, there was none at all. So where you don't have unity, where there's division, uh, there's hope is nullified and there's no peace and joy. And so, having thought about that during the week, having gone over that again, I, I really believe that I was led to ask um, or talk about how do we bring, how do we restore unity? How do we end division, restore unity so that there is hope again? And through that hope, there's peace and joy. And, and so I started to do a bit of a word search, and I found all these um, verses in the Bible that relate to how God, when he, when he started to give instructions, when he started to give dreams and visions, when, when he was laying out the plan, he would tell people, you've got to write this down. Now, I'm not talking about journaling, although that's a, probably a very profitable thing. But, but what I'm, I think he's saying, and especially to us today, is, um, the need for communication is so vital in bringing, ending division, bringing unity, releasing hope, and through that, peace and joy. And, and again, it's applicable not only to churches or spirituality, to spiritual things, but actually in our families, in our marriages, in our community, in our businesses. This is so vital. And so... I'm, I'm presenting to you a very probably obvious and simple uh, argument this morning. And, and I think we, because who we are, 
It's so obvious. But it has to start with God. Right? And the reason it has to start with God is because God is the creator of everything. So obviously it starts with God. But we've also grown and learned that because God is the creator, that when he created, he created with purpose, with meaning. And that brings value. But, but I also want to challenge us that we believe these things. They're obvious. We know these. We, we share these concepts. That we believe in them. Um, but how often do we actually bring in that discussion about purpose, God's purpose for us as individuals when we're related to our marriage or related to our family or, or, or even related to our businesses? How, how many times do we stop and... Con- and I know some do, but how many times do we stop and consciously bring into the mix the, the truth that there is a reason and purpose? And it's a vision, and it's all started with God, and God designed us, made us unique, and got this plan for our lives. And so, but how long do we bring that truth and say, okay, allow that to influence the relationships we're in? Because, as I shared last week... In so many different communities, with what's happening around the world, there is not much hope. And because the hope is dissipated, there's no peace or no joy. And it literally becomes just a matter of survival. And, and, and looking out for me and for mine and for us and just making sure and working hard that we've got enough for today, living in today. And, and so hope of something better or something greater in the future, that, that's just, just not there anymore. And so, uh, again, simple, obvious, but I, I just felt like I needed to bring this in to the teaching that we had last week, to what we saw last week. So here we go. Uh, so our text is Habakkuk 2, 1 to 4. But the deal is it was chosen because there are so many similar verses where God talks about, okay, you guys need to write down the vision. I need to make sure you know the plan, but in that plan, you need to understand your part in that. And this relationship that you're in, whether it's your marriage, your family, your business, its role in this. And, and so I'm talking to Habakkuk 2, 1 to 4, remembering that our aim isn't just about the visions that God gives us, but it's really about for us in context this morning, it's about the unity. Bringing unity into our marriages. Bringing unity into our families, into our businesses, into our community, into our church, into the churches. It's about a unity that brings hope and then through that hope, joy and peace. So again, reminding us of the obvious and uh, sometimes... um, I've been enough to say that. Um, sometimes uh, stating the obvious is, uh, is, for me personally, can be a bit of a bore. And, uh, but I'm going to risk that this morning and become uh, king of the obvious this morning and hopefully just to make a point so that we can get some very simple but practical movement on this. Okay, uh, so God's creator, created everything. And everything has reason, everything has purpose, everything has value. So I want to highlight some steps. And I'm, I'm actually can't, I thought there was five, but there could be more. And we might not only speak about a 
few of them. But then I thought, well, they're not really steps. Um, so I'm not sure what to call them. Uh, there's, uh, steps isn't the right word. It's more about an awareness. It's, it's more about stages. Um, and I still can't find the right word, but you're smart enough you can figure it out and put the right word in that, in that blank spot right there. Five whatevers, not five. I haven't got a number, actually. I did have, I started with five, but uh, I'm thinking, yeah, that's not going to work. There are some whatevers, however, that we need to be aware of. Whatever they are, figure it out, give me the name later, I'll write it in and have a good sermon for somewhere else. So there's five whatevers, here we go. There's some whatevers that we need to highlight today, and that's, that's my intention, to make us aware of these different things, stages, whatever, uh, to fit in that we need to, we probably are aware of, but we, I want us to consciously come to terms with this so we can start to do something back. So Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I, I want you to really notice the very first pronoun, the very first word, I. I want you to take real close attention of I. And do you really need the biblical Hebrew definition of what I means? It, it's me. It's you. It's I. And normally we try to avoid that because that's like self-centered and I want all the attention. And so we talk about we or we use other pronouns. But today, it's important that we focus in and say, listen to the prophet. He said, I, which talks about responsibility. He takes responsibility. He's got to hear it for himself. He doesn't want anybody else to tell him. Not because he's proud because it's so important that he knows what God is saying to him. Right? I. And if we're talking about the relationships we're in, let's talk about marriage. It's not just I, the husband, head of the house. No, it's I, but then we switch it around. My wife, my partner, she needs to know what God's saying. She doesn't need to me to tell her what I think or interpret what he's saying to me, to her. She knows to know. You, you understand what I'm saying? I, we, we need to know for ourselves. We don't need other people to tell us. It's good to be reminded. It's good to be encouraged. It's good that when we're confused and in a battle, someone's there to give us instructions. But I'm telling you the importance of knowing that you've heard from God. Okay, I want to talk about that a little bit more. Um, it's important because I'm responsible. <clears throat> we, we went through some stuff not long ago. And um, these people had gone through a very hard time. And, and probably rightfully so, was ready to point the finger of responsibility, who's really to blame? What they did, what they didn't do. Them, they. But here's the deal. 
We are all accountable. We are all responsible. And being a victim, taking that victim mentality will not excuse you of the responsibility that you have. We're not in a day when God speaks to the people through the prophets. We're in a day when we're in a relationship with him where he speaks to each and every one of us. Sure, there's five-fold ministry gifts. Sure, there's gifts of prophets and apostles and all that kind of stuff. But the deal is this. It's based on a platform of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where we are able, not able, stronger than that, where we, each of us, can hear and must hear from God, must hear for ourselves, that when others come to tell us, sure, there's a confirmation for us, there's an encouragement for us, there's a reminder, but the truth is, I have heard for myself. Very simple, isn't it? And I know you probably all agree with me, don't you? But the deal is, Sometimes it's easy just to sit back and let somebody else make the decisions. Let somebody else tell me what God's saying. It's all right, you know, playing the victim card and then you just sit back and say, well, whatever you tell me to do. I literally had a man a few years ago come to this church and he was a believer, but the way he'd been disciple was he came and said, and I was talking to him about, you know, his role, his purpose, his value, and, and, he's, and he's, he didn't have a clue about that. And the bottom line was he said to me, Pastor, you tell me what I've got to do. And I said, no. I, I can encourage you, I can remind you, I can highlight some stuff, but you are responsible for this decision. So uh, you can't put it on me to make the decision because if you then something goes wrong or you don't do this right, you blame me. Because you're the victim, it's my fault. No, no, um, I won't tell you what to do. What do you think you should do? You, t- you talk to me about that and I'll tell you what the Bible says. I'll tell you what, you know, I'll remind you of your gills, your, skifting, your giftings, all that kind of... But basically, you make a decision. You know, there's a lot of criticism about control freaks and leadership roles in the church. But the bottom line is so many people who want other people to make the decisions for them. Just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm nice, that's nice, and I like that sentiment, if it comes from a pure heart. But tell me, what do you think you should be doing? And I only say that because we get so used to hearing what God said from somebody else that we don't find out for ourselves. Like, like we are less than... Like we're not one of the chosen, like we're on the outside. No, no, each and every one of us through grace now have the opportunity. The way's been made open. We have access to God himself. We don't have to go to the high priest. Well, we go through the high priest, Jesus, but we come to our Father. And, and, the, and one of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit inside of us tells us, lets us know, confirms Reminds us that he is our father, that this Abba father, that we're in intimate relation, that we are sons and daughters of God himself. So we have the right just to go to him, to hear him. Everybody knows that, don't you? We're all, yeah, yeah, you're repeating the obvious, Pastor Dennis. Yeah, 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 great. Here we go, 
king of the blinding the obvious. Actually, I changed the words. That's a Monty Python thing, but I can't use the words they did. Okay. Um, so, the reason that we, each of us, need to know what God said to us, what God has said to us, I need to know, is because usually there's a great cost involved. And later on, when it's time to pay the price at that cost, if it's somebody else that told me, uh, we can turn the deal down, put it back on them. But if I know that I know that I know that God said to me, and I understand that there's nearly always a cost to pay, and I believe I can confirm that's what God said to me, then I'm responsible and I've got to be willing to pay the price myself. Agree? Please, somebody? You've all been such an, a, a wonderful emotional roller coaster this morning. The presence of God there was just, thanks, Jenny and the team. That was awesome. The Holy Spirit just came in, and then Jane led us through that so well. And then we had our hearts smashed again by Annette. Thanks, Annette, for that. <sighs> Take everything I've got, Ned. Just give it all. Give, here's my watch. Just take the whole lot. Do it. Don't break my heart again. And now you get up and, and you know, here's Dennis, king of the bleed. Oh, king of the blindingly obvious. Are you all going to sleep? Are you emotionally drained? But you ag- do you agree with me? Let me shove someone in there to you and say, are you hearing him? Is- we agree? Thank you, thank you. Because that's only the first one. Um, when, when God calls us to something, inevitably, you can guarantee there'll come a moment where you will have a major wrestle with doubt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Started at the very beginning, did God really say? Did I get that right? Well... If somebody else told me that God, and I wrestle with doubt, I, will, I can accuse them. They, they've made a mistake. But if I know, it will strengthen me in my fight. I, I, I might need someone to remind me what God said. God said. There's a possibility that if I hear from God from someone else, there's a possibility that it might be used as manipulation to get what the other person wants from me, to manipulate a scene for their benefit and not thinking of my better. You hear what I'm saying? But if I know that I know, how can I manipulate that? It, no manipulation is a motivation to keep going. Um, we need to know what God said. I'm all for the confirmation. Hear me, I'm all for the confirmation. I'm all for the reminders, all that stuff. But each of one of us need to stand in what we heard God say to us. And we can talk that out with others. And we can wrestle that out with others. And, and you know, just to make sure, that's fine. That's what these roles are for. Um, but remember, so I'm talking about this. So that when a husband, and I'm using the marriage more than anything, but it's applicable to all the other things I said. So when a marriage, especially Christians, 
even with the others, because they might not value God, of course. But as Christians in a marriage, we believe that each of us are called and gifted, that, that, that we're creating the image of God, that there's reason and purpose for our existence. That you know. And so when we come together, we should be able to say, as the foundation of our marriage, now, now let's talk about the calling or the purpose of God for us. Because those things we said, uh, because there's a battle and there's a price to pay and, and there's a faith needed for longevity, which we'll talk about in a moment. But if, if I've just said to Jane, Jane, this is what God said to me, this is what we're going to do, I'm the head of the house, and she doesn't agree, there, there's a recipe for disaster right then. There's division. She might be submissive because of the misunderstanding and teaching of, from the church about wives and being submissive. And she said, yeah, okay, to get my place in heaven I, and, and get the blessings of God, I better do what he says. But in her heart of hearts, she doesn't agree. And there's division there. I, I remember we met a couple and um, it was pretty impressive. And, and I'd said something about um, having a disagreement with my wife as part of an illustration later on. He says to me, you know, me and my wife have never, ever, ever disagreed. And I made a joke of it and I, no, she's always, and she sat there going, it's true, it's true. She's always been 100% behind me and we've never even had to have a discussion. She just, until I found out later that they, most of their lives from being born, they were Muslims. Strong Albanian Muslims where the woman was not even allowed to put forth her opinion because there was no value in it. And, and it wasn't until then that I realised... That's why there's never been a disagreement in your house. You got saved, but you haven't really been converted. You just swap. Anyway, I better be careful. <laughs> but there's a division. It might not be there verbally. Huh. We'll think about that after. Too late. It's live. Anyway, I know what my wife's thinking. Um, but there's a division there. You understand what I'm saying? They might not be verbal. It might not even be known. But there's not unity. There's a division there. If, if we want unity, if we want uh, our marriages, that we're all struggling at different times in different seasons. If we want that strong hope for anchor for our souls and also that hope that releases peace and joy, if we, there's got to be unity. Not submission. Am I, is anybody hearing me this morning? And I think everybody here is saying, yeah, well, that's the way we live anyway. Catch with, with the times, Dennis, what's going on? Anyway, uh, just so you can win arguments about other people. I'll say it that way. Um, so the importance of that foundation to bring unity is an awareness and even a discussion. And can I challenge you even now, uh, if you're married, or if you're thinking about getting married, go home and say, hey, um, I know we might have talked about this in the past, but we can, can we talk again once again about the purposes of God for our lives? Can I talk again about the purposes of God for our marriage? And just 
have a, a reminder or a discussion about that because it's important to get hope into our marriages and peace and joy flowing from that hope. Anyway, and so um, uh, later in that verse, uh, there's a level of responsibility also when he says, hey, let me read the whole thing again. Habakkuk 2.1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer him when I am corrected. There's a humility in there because we start, he's saying, uh, you know, I don't know it all. I may have made a mistake. And probably, I definitely have made a mistake. But so when I start to talk to God, there's prob probably a high uh, possibility that he's going to have to fix some stuff up in me. He's going to have to correct me. And now I'm responsible now for that and open to that. Not my partner, me. That has to come from me. What do you mean, God? It's this woman you gave me. Any husband said that? Don't put your hands up. Don't even smile or blink. Anyway, in Habakkuk 2.2, these were originally numbered, but I can't number them now. So next. That's the first one. This is the next one. I don't know how many more there are, but Habakkuk 2.2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. I want to highlight a few aspects, I don't know how many, but a few aspects from, from this verse, especially which says, write the vision. And, and, and to write it's good. There's been times in our lives when Jane and I have had uh, God speak to us very clearly and without doubt, and so we wrote it down. Many times through our lives, there was times when we literally wrote, written things down because it didn't make sense to us. Um, I, I remember one time there was a, a word about uh, turning around and facing the mountains. And, uh, and so we wasn't sure what that meant. We wrote it down. There was a time um, we went through, I, we personally, probably instigated by me and me being responsible for, more, for what happened. But there was a time when we went through some very challenging times. And yet somehow uh, we got to Toronto in a 10th year celebration, the outpouring of the Spirit at Toronto Airport Christian Church. And, and uh, we was in a meeting and this particular day they gave you different coloured armbands because the crowd was huge and they just rotated it every day because you, you, you sat, got the good seats at least once during the week. And there was this uh, um, guy... Uh, speaking, who was called Apostle whatever, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, great. You know how Australians are with, um, with titles and labels? And he just preached a magnificent word, and I was so convicted. <coughs> I was so convicted that I was on my way to the altar before it gave it. I actually kneeled down at the altar, was repenting, and I started to sob and cry oblivious to what was going on around me completely. I was there for a while 
and then when I opened my eyes, sorry, when I was coming uh, to awareness of what was happening around me, I, I was aware that there was a hand on my back, praying very hard, and I opened my eyes to look to see who it was, and it was the guest speaker, it was Apostle, whatever he was called, and, and he looked at me and he said, uh, he said, I can see Samuel, and his eyes have been gorged out, and his head's been shaved, and mate, I was broken, I wept, and I'm, I'm talking about, when are we talking about the ninth, the, when did we go to Canada, Jane? The noughties, was it before, was it the late 90s? It was the late 90s, I think. So that's how long ago it was. And, and I wept. I just could, uncontrollable, like a baby. I had, excuse the language, I had this big number 11s down here. I had the big, <laughs> <laughs> uncontrollable, embarrassing. Cause he's, and he's telling me, you know, I see, I see him. I see Samson. His eyes are out. And he's been shaved. And he's in bondage. And it's broken. And I'm bawling and bawling. But then the Lord wants you to know your hair's growing back. You're regaining your strength. God's preparing you for what he's got for you. You haven't even begun to think about. And anyway, it, it was so, I, I wrote it down. I still got it written down at home. I'm not sure if I've ever fulfilled that, seen the fulfillment. But there are times in our lives where there's been significant words, undeniable God, that we weren't sure quite what it was meant or the timing of it. So we wrote it down. And, and, and writing down is a good thing, especially if you've got a memory like mine. But the deal is this. We, we need to... God says, you need to record this somehow. This needs to be recorded. You, you need to write it down. You need to record it. You need to put it somewhere other than your mind. Um, because this is so important, you can't allow it to be faded. You can't allow it to fade away or to be changed in any way. This needs to be accurate. And it needs to remain to be accurate. You need to make sure this doesn't change, that you get this quote right. You hear what I'm saying? So when God starts to speak to us, we, we need to somehow record, write down, literally record whatever. Um, I just remember my friend who, who used to do marijuana and tell me how brilliant it was but he'd forget every morning so what he did one day on these marijuana trips he he got a pen and a, a paper and he wrote down all these amazing things and it, and then when he sobered up he looked at him and none of it made sense <laughs> sometimes when god speaks to you it doesn't immediately make sense so you've got to write it down and it's got to be accurate and you've got to keep it somewhere safe because you, you need to know that it's not been changed. This is what the Lord has said. Uh, so there's been a few times in our lives when we've had specific words and we've done that. We've written them down. He says here, you've got to make it plain. Just focus on what was said. You know, as part of our um, Safer Churches program, when there's any hint or suspicion of 
some child being um, not uh, well abused or even saying something that might lead or make suspicious. You know what the, you know what the police say to us? Write it down. Don't try to interpret it. Don't examine, it over, examine them over it. Just write the words they say and leave it to the experts. Just write the words that they say. Don't, don't you ask any questions about it. Don't you interpret it. And, and there's too many. If you come to our... Every year we put on a Safer Churches program that we're, we're obligated to do. And, and Paul, uh, Paul tells us some stories where sometimes people have changed words or even implied stuff or even think they know who they're talking about and used that name only to be found later that it was completely incorrect. The point I'm making is we need to make sure that we don't interpret what we've heard but that we just keep it plain. Just don't amplify it. Don't put your descriptions in. Don't, put, don't think you understand the details yet because the truth is so many times God's talking, uh, give vision or dreams or talk to people and, and they think they understand it only to find out it is completely different from what they thought when they first heard it. And because it was so different, they could have missed it. So don't try to interpret it. Don't amplify it. Don't put down what you think are the important bits or what it means. Just write down what God... Just record what God says and hold on to that. Don't try to explain it. Because he says that he may run who reads it. So you've got to be able to communicate what God has said. In the context of our marriages, our families, our business, our community, our churches, we've got to be able to communicate what God has said, not our interpretation of what God has said. Not our explanation of what we think God has said. We've got to be able to communicate what God has said. And especially in marriages, we... God said this and then leave it with the other person because God said it to me. I'm in partnership with that person. God will say it to that person. Might not use exactly the same words, but it'll be exactly the same thing. And then we put pressure on people by giving our interpretation or our understanding of what it means. Remember, I'm, the emphasis is getting us back into unity, ending division. And it starts with God. Usually, when people say to me, God told me, that's called for, I don't care what you think and you're not going to change my mind. Anybody found that? God, God told me. How can you argue with that? And I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, about 99.99% of every time I've heard that, God never, in fact, ever said that. Is that the truth? Are we just responsible to communicate what God has said? The interpretation of that? Well, let's just leave that and pray over that. Uh, I hope you know where I'm, what I'm aiming to do here. Um, 
Jesus says, I don't want to hear your opinion and I don't want you telling me what, if it's right. This, this is what it is and don't you dare even, I'm not even going to think about anything you say now. And, and when I hear, and I'm telling you the truth now, secret into the, me, not Jane, this is what, when someone says God told me, I usually switch off. Okay. Not interested in the confirmation with that. Not interested in, you know, praying together about that. Not in, for your safety and the other. No, no. As soon as I said, God said, fine. Bless you. Uh, that's me. Not a real pastor. Not Jane, that's me. Um, we've got to be able to communicate. And I'm speaking especially about those we're in relationship with. And, and everything we said there, marriage, family, business, um, community, church, it's, it's all about who we're in relationship. And, and so it's about talking to them, communicating to them, so that we can both be on the same page. <sighs> A lot of people have great intentions, but it's not the Word of God might sound like the Word of God, but it's not the Word of God. A lot of people do hear, but they hear from their emotions. Sometimes guilt. Sometimes the desire to do the right thing. But unity, um, it needs ownership. It can't be just one-sided. We've got to make room for that. It, it, it's, it's coming, it's the parties involved have to come in agreement. That means they have to be free to think about it, to pray about it, to discuss it, to analyze it, so that when we're making agreement on that, it's rock solid. It's just making sense. Is anybody bored yet? You probably are, but you're too polite. That's all right, I like polite. Um, it can't be a one-sided submission. It can't be like, I'm right, you submit to it. Not, this, not in unity, no. It, it has to be an agreement. The husband and wife have to be in agreement. <clears throat> we have to sit down regularly, I think, and say, okay, um, in the different seasons of our marriages, because uh, who knows, there's different seasons. God blessed. Thank God for children, but they change everything. Everything, literally everything. Praise God, it probably needed changing, but I was enjoying that season. Then you came along. I love you dearly. But you messed up what I was. Anyway, the dear, so there's different seasons in our marriage. So we, we need to say, okay, come on. There's a, there's a reason we're together here. And it's not just because I used to be exceedingly good-looking and muscular. Don't be so shallow, Jane. <laughs> uh, deal with thin ice. There's a reason we're together. And, and God who created us has joined us together. What's that reason? I'll tell you why, because we need to make some plans and some decisions because we're heading to, we're giving ourselves to that. That means we're going that way. You hear what I'm saying? So we have to be in 
agreement. We, ha we have to both know because there's a cost to pay and we've got to be in this together. Oh, I can't stress that enough. I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not, but anyway... I know I'm speaking to people who have been married over 40 years and you've got this nailed and things. Doesn't everybody know this? No, there's still a lot of conflict in, in marriages. You know why? Because they don't understand that it wasn't just a romantic thing. It was like God somehow has brought you together for a reason and a purpose and our lives are about fulfilling that reason and that purpose. So what is that reason and that purpose? Because that's going to bring us, that's going to bond us together. I know it's hard for some to have that discussion because partner's not saved or they're too stubborn. Uh, but anyway, for those who are willing, it's, it's unity needs to be owned. I need to own it. As God said to me, Jane needs to own it. As God says to her, there needs to be agreement in this thing. There needs to be joint ownership of this. We have to be in this together if it's going to work. Um, helps us set the course usually long courses um, because you know what when God starts to give you a dream or a vision <clears throat> it's not talking about next week usually it's talking about it's going to take you a while to get there and guess what I, there's some preparation that's going to have to take place for when you get there so right now I'm just concerned I'm working on the preparation for the fulfillment of this time. And if we're not together in that preparation, you know, it's a long time. Um, the sacrifices. And, and if we're not sure, there won't be a willingness to make the sacrifice. There has to be a, it has to be a willing sacrifice. Uh, Habakkuk 2.3 For the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry um, through study and, and experience, we've seen that really, rarely, not really, rarely, God gives us any fine details. Right? He didn't say, okay, get your calendar out, mark this date, because at this time, you're going to be at this place, and you'll meet these people, and this is what's going to happen. Um, I'm sure Abraham would appreciate that, but remember, like, God comes to Abraham, Abraham, Come on, i got a great vision for you. Yeah, sure, God, let's do it. He said, well, come on, let's go. Um, where are we going? doesn't matter. Come on, let's just go. How long will it take? doesn't matter. Come on, let's just go. Abraham knew absolutely nothing. 
He just knew God called him. So he got up and he started walking. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how long it was going to take him. He didn't know what he was going to... But that's the nature of this thing. Rarely does God give the details. Usually, when God speaks to us and gives us, talks about our purpose, which is the vision, he goes, hey, hey, um, I'm going to do something. You want to come? Anybody heard that before? Well, similar. That's called the calling of God. Literally. Hey, I'm, I'm going to do something. It's going to be pretty cool. Do you want to be involved? And that's about it. Well, what is it, God? Oh, you come with me. We'll see. I remember the disciples came. Jesus said, follow me. And, and Jesus, the disciples followed him and said, hey, um, hey, Jesus, where are you going? Oh, you'll see. Where do you live? Come with me, you'll find out. I said this at the men's group the other night, uh, which was really powerful, really good. Uh, and, and the deal is this. Usually with God, there's more power in the question than the answer. When God gives you a question, it just starts Something. He doesn't even give you the answer sometimes, he just gives you the question. Triggers something inside of you. Then, unbeknown to us, years of preparation on the way, and then all of a sudden something happens, nothing like what we imagined, and, and usually far greater than what we imagined and we go everybody stands back and goes oh wow I got nothing for you that's about as good as it gets right there the, the, the truth is if God would give you the details at the beginning you'd probably go no no I don't think I will I can't see that. Um, I think you got the wrong person. You don't know me very well, but that's not me. I don't think that will ever happen. I can't see it. No, no, I don't. So God never gives you the details. He just goes, hey, I'm going to do some stuff. You want to come? And that's about as spiritual as I can get right now. The truth is that's all we need to know. God who created with reason and purpose says, hey, I'm preparing you for something. That's all you need to know. Listen, I feel like we, we might need to revisit this right now. Um, so let me challenge you. What I recommended before, I'm telling you to do. Go home or for lunch or somewhere with a partner or something, wife, husband. And I dare you, if I have the authority, I would commend you. But I will strongly recommend 
Why don't you just sit down with them? Put your phone aside. Maybe even turn it on silent. Turn the telly off. Pretend you're being a romantic. Get them involved. Oh, I could be in the mood for this. And then say, hey, let's talk about the purposes of God for us. Especially if there's division. Especially if there's that hope is waning. Because hope comes from God and comes from the purposes of God. And, and, and we looked at hope, all the different aspects of hope and how it relates to God, not just at the second coming, not just of a place in eternity, but with the activation of the promises of God in our life, there's a hope. We have a hope for better things as we live this life and for meaning and for purpose as well as for involvement in the return of Christ and eternity with God our Father forever. So, so the deal is, if hope is waning, if there's division, if hope is waning, if it's obvious there's no peace or joy anymore in this relationship, why don't you, why don't we sit down and start saying, hey, let's talk about the reason you think God brought us together. Let's talk about if we are created by God with purpose, what is that purpose? If we've been brought together, let no man put us under. If, if God's brought us together, why did he, what's the reason and the purpose? And start to talk about it. And, and here's, the, here's the great thing. Nearly all the time, we're so completely different, right? In our giftings, in our callings, in our strengths, all that. We're so completely different. But the thing is, because of that, what we've got and bring to each other actually strengthens us, actually completes us, enhances us in preparation for what he wanted all the time. Are you hearing me today? Can, would you do that? And how many would risk? You probably do this regularly. You're so wonderful and spiritual sat there thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, what, would you risk doing that right now? Well, not right now because we're going to eat in a minute. But in a, in a quiet time, when you've got some... And, and, and I'm talking not just about marriage. I'm talking about the intimate relationships, the connections that we have. This, this stuff is important right through, as I said, marriage, family. I'll, t I'll tell you something. When we were barely saved, we, we'd only been saved a short while, and yet all of a sudden we started to realize that we were special. We, were so, we didn't understand what that meant. It meant that we were chosen. It meant that we had a destiny. It meant that purpose, the purposes of God, was becoming obvious to us. We, we got home, and I remember one night we, we had all, because we were so spiritual, we didn't have a television. We got all the kids down on the living room floor, two of them. But they were very quick. It made them look like many. We got all the kids, and we all got on our knees, and we explained that God loves us, and that he's got a reason and purpose, and we're giving our lives to his service. And, and they were only little. I don't know if they understood. It's like Matrix. You want the blue pill or the red one? Anyway, the deal was we got in a... Nobody, everyone's looking at me because you don't know that movie. You're so spiritual. I'm ashamed. Uh, that we got on our knees and we dedicated ourselves and our lives 
our marriage and our family to the service of God. And we was only new Christians. We didn't know what that meant. It was just that we, we felt something, didn't we? We couldn't explain it, but we just felt. And, and from that moment, things, things changed. So it wasn't just about our marriage. It was about our family and the future of our family. It doesn't have to be about marriage. It can be those. It can be about your business. It can be about the relationships you have in the closer connections you have with different uh, believers. You, you, let's talk. There's a reason that we're connected. What do you think that reason is? What has God said to you? Well, maybe you should ask God. What, do, what is it, God? And he might just say, hey, I'm going to do something. You want to come for, want to come for a look? Who knows? I think like I'm talking myself out of a job right now, so I'm going to quit. Before I quit, I'll, I'll pray. Can we pray? So, Father, right now, in a world where hope is diminishing, where joy and peace is absent, where there's dismay and fear, where there's confusion, where it's all just surviving day to day, I pray for us, your people, for your church. That in confirming, once again, the purposes of our God for our church and for the individuals that make up this church, that a life will be filled with hope because you are the God of hope and there's hope for greater things. Thank you that if the church doesn't do it, who's going to bring hope? Who's going to bring joy and peace? Thank you that you've called your church to serve the God of hope and you filled us with hope, hope of better things in our marriages, in our families, in our community, better things in the businesses, better things for our community for the people of our better things, literally. The people are full of hope and there's joy and the peace everywhere. Oh, Lord. And if it doesn't start with us, where's it going to start? So right now, by your spirit, I pray for each and every one of us, married and unmarried. Lord, each and every one of us might once again start to understand the reason, the purpose for our marriages, for our families, for our businesses, for our community, through us, by your Spirit, we might re-establish the foundation of your purpose for our lives, for our marriages, for, for our families, for our community, for our church, our churches. And, and therefore we'll have the hope, the hope that comes from knowing that you're with us and never leave us nor forsake us, knowing that we are on the winning side, knowing that there's a victory, knowing that there's, uh, there's a restoration, there's healing, there's deliverance, knowing there's a strengthening and a maturing, knowing that we're growing in the knowledge of our God. Oh, God, help us. Right now, in this moment, in this moment right now, 
in this moment right now by your spirit, especially where there's any kind of division, remind us, confirm, uncover, bring revelation. Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, In Jesus' wonderful name. I even pray that you would create an opportunity where every, can, every relationship can have space and time to have this discussion where we could, all of us, share what God has said to us without interpretation. but we could present it plain and clear. Oh, Lord, I know we're not just talking about a marriage, a family. We're not just talking about a home. We're not just talking about this church. We're talking about our community, our state, our nation. Oh, Lord, let it start here. I pray for your protection. I pray for your provision. I pray for your leading, your guiding. I pray for your favour, oh God, to be on each of us, our marriages and our families, for everyone connected to this church right now. And in amongst that, I pray that we will continue to grow in the knowledge of our God. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Well, thank you.